2: And let's start off with a word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is in full swing and college basketball heats up as the schools make their way to the NCAA tournament. The tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Challenge as BetOnline is the spot for all of your bracketology needs. Personally, I would put my money on Gonzaga or Baylor against the field, one of those two teams I don't think you can go wrong with. But BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, former wizard, Larry Hughes. About halfway through the show today, you're going to hear another voice. We'll be joined by Jimmy Patsos, who's currently working for NBC Sports Washington as a part of the pre- and post-game show. So Jimmy give us really good insight into what to expect for the second half of the Wizards season and and also what we saw during the first half and and try to make sense of things. So that's kind of the focus of today's show is to really kind of level set where we are at the halfway point. And, And again, we thought Jimmy was a great guy to do that with us. He was a Maryland assistant coach under Gary Williams from 1991 to 2004 the so head coach at Loyola, Maryland from 2004 to 2013, and then the head coach at Siena from 2013 to 2018. So haven't had a ton of coaches on the show, so we thought this was an opportunity to get kind of that inner workings of a coach uh, perspective, and Jimmy's just a fun guy to listen to and talk with anyway, so we really appreciated his time and thought he gave us some some good insight. But uh, before we get to that, Larry, before we get to that, I just want to get your thoughts on sort of the first game of the second half of the season last night, lost to the Grizzlies, Jonas Valanciunas basically ate them alive. What did you see out there?
1: Oh, well, just that first game back from from All Star break, you know, it, it's always you know a little iffy. Mm-hmm. But I thought that I thought the guys played played hard. I thought that they you know gave themselves a chance to be in the game. I mean, traveling into another city right after All Star break is is always tough. Sure. And for the most part, I think that you know you are doing what you are expected to do when you're coming out of that first game is to get your legs back under you. And obviously you want to win the game, but you want to start to build and get ready for the second half of the season. And it's just like that first game for me, uh, the all-star right after the all-star break, is kind of the exact same way. You just kind of getting, you know, getting, getting the muscles and everything back going, uh, for that push for the second half.
2: I'm sure the rest is great, but how long does it sort of take you to shake off the, the layoff?
1: Uh, probably a couple of days. I mean, it's good that you have that game. I mean, you know, you had the all-star break and then you have that game quickly after so you don't get that much rest and, you know, that much lag time, but you do feel it. I mean, you have to get back into that rhythm. You have to, you know, push your body and, you know, in that competition mode to, you know, find that second win. And I think the, the faster you find that second win, I meaning you just gotta, you know, you just gotta blow it out, you know, and, and make yourself, you know, extremely tired and then once your second wing kicks in you know you're usually fine so you get that first game out of the way you know you've gotten your heart rate up you've everything is is working right everybody's healthy game two is is where you start to build your track for you know that playoff push
2: they had a couple guys that were not necessarily in covid protocol but were held out for precautionary sake, including actually Scott Brooks was, was not at their first practice. I want to say, uh, after the all-star break. So I was wondering if that sort of contributed to it, like if you can't get a good practice in, you know, how it's probably even harder to get that rhythm back. I would imagine.
1: It, it is, man. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. The amount of, when I think back just the the amount of preparation that it takes to actually be successful, um, we're actually not giving these guys the the amount of time and preparation that they need to really, truly be successful. I mean, they're professionals, we're professionals. So I think that they're, you know, they're dealing with it, but you know, that we can't discount the, the, the team building, you know, just being around each other. You know, these guys are testing again, like every, you know, every day, same time, every day. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy time that we're doing uh, what they're we're living in right now, and Game Two is what I'm looking forward to.
2: The only thing that was kind of concerning last night was the interior defense, specifically keeping John Morant out of the paint is a tough ask anyway. But Valentinus, who didn't play in the first game against the Wizards, looked like prime Shaquille O'Neal for a large portion of that game, and uh Wagner, you know, got some fouls and couldn't really stay out there, and then. Lopez did not have his best game as a wizard. I think I'd put it that way. Uh, Len got like a few minutes, if I remember correctly, and then just got yanked and never played again. So I would think you would want to just keep trying different things. If what you were doing against somebody clearly wasn't working, I I was a little surprised that they stuck with Lopez for as long as they did in the middle of that game.
1: Well, yeah, I I don't, you know, we know the position that the wizards are in and they're struggling. So, just to really manage our expectations on what it really looks like, you know, night in and night out. That's what I have to do. Right. I mean, I think that job puts extremely, uh, puts extreme pressure on the defenders as far as using the pick and roll, getting into paint. Uh, He's not a big guy, but he uses his body well. And a lot of times I saw him getting, you know, he's getting the help. He was getting the help defender in a bad position where, he was just reacting to everything and with job being so good with the basketball, they're going for everything that he's doing uh, obviously makes the big job on a lot easier. But on the other side, it makes the big job a lot tougher because you don't know what to expect. So I think that when, when you have a big guy like, you know, like a, a Lopez, you have to figure out what's going to be our coverage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really have to figure out what's going to be your coverage or that's going to be a night that he's not going to play as much because you have that guy uh, in jaw coming downhill, you know, every possession. But for me, I think it's just, it's just the same status. I mean, not being locked in on the defensive end and covering for one another. I, I saw a lot of pointing last night or, you know, just looking at the other guy like he was in the wrong spot. And, you know, you can't make it to the playoffs having, you know, that sort of mindset or, or You know, looking that way on a defensive end, but again, just managing what that expectation is first game out, uh, you got to, you know, you got to be better the next game.
2: Last night was a bad body language game, in my opinion. There was a lot of, you know, frustration with referees, a lot of, like you said, finger pointing and, you know, that's not what you want to see the first game back after the break. There was a lot of commentary during the game last night from the broadcast team about what an amazing job Dylan Brooks was doing on Bradley Beal. I do think he did a really good job, especially in that first game. And he did a good job last night too. But I thought last night was just as much Beal not being super sharp as it was like lockdown defense. He missed two pretty wide open threes early, a point blank layup. So I'm not saying he didn't play good defense. I just think it was kind of like a little bit of both because – if Brad's playing really well, uh, there's only so much you can do to stop a guy like that. What, what was your take on, on that, Larry?
1: That's always, you know, always, even if a defender plays amazing defense and the offensive player hits a shot, it's always good D, better shot. Mm-hmm. So as a defender, you're always at the disadvantage. And if I'm playing defense and I don't care if a guy is known for going for 35 and I hold him to 22, then I probably did a good job. And I thought what Dylan was doing was really, you know, keeping the body on him and, and making uh, Brad play in traffic. And it's not to say that Brad couldn't have still score points or, you know, win that matchup. It's what Dylan was doing as far as to making it tough for him. And a player of Brad's caliber, that's probably the best thing that you can do is just try to make it tough for him, contest shots, you know, bump him a little bit, grab him a little bit. Um, you know, try to get his focus on something else, whether it be the refs or whether it be his teammates. But you have to play mind games with that guy because if you don't, he's gonna he's gonna destroy you. So I, I think the next time those guys play, you'll you'll probably see a destroyer mentality, especially with all the comments made.
2: Yeah, it's like the Reuben Patterson with Kobe thing. We've got a Beal stopper now. Yeah. Larry, just real quick, uh, circling back to the All Star game. What did you think of the the festivities, the game overall? As a former dunk contest participant, what did you think of uh, of the dunk contest specifically?
1: Uh, you know what, Matt, I'm gonna be honest, man. I didn't even pay attention. I the the All Star um, deal it it didn't excite me. Mm-hmm. There was just uh, the restrictions and the protocols and putting all the things in, you know. In a short period of time, I just wasn't necessarily interested in, in what was going on, uh, so I didn't, I did not watch. I don't even know who won the dunk contest. So I, I say I like to say I watch a lot of basketball, but that one completely missed me uh, as far as the the activity you know that the All Star weekend kind of brings. I mean, you're used to seeing all of the interviews and the things that happen. Outside of the court, you know the team, the, the the guys getting together, doing the practices, and you know having dance offs and things of that nature. So that's what I'm really used to. So I didn't really get in uh, get involved in the, in the All Star night. So you you got this one, buddy.
2: That seems to be the common theme. Uh, I, I saw a lot of people being like, "Oh shit, I didn't even realize there was an All Star game this year." Like after the fact, I did watch all of it because I had nothing else going on on my Sunday night. But yeah, I felt the same way watching it. Like I, I sort of half paid attention and I at a certain point I looked up from my phone and realized it was halftime and I had barely watched any of the game itself. The only memorable part in my opinion was the three-point contest. I think anytime you can get Steph Curry to participate in that, it adds like a different level of kind of excitement to that. But, you know, when the skills challenge, the final is Vucevic against Sabonis and like it's cool that there are big guys that are that skilled. but. Uh, it was just sort of like a weird thing to watch. Like Doncic, I think I could go through the course backwards as fast as he was going through it. Like he just didn't look like he had any interest. And I don't know, Chris Paul missed the layup again. Like it just seemed like, you know, they were checking the box to help the NBA out more than like, hey, we're excited to go out and, and win a trophy. You know, the dunk contest, the guys are actually like good, uh, but it's three guys that the average fan has never heard of. I mean, maybe if you watch college basketball, you know Obi Toppin, but uh, you know, Anthony Simons came directly out of a prep school. Cassius Stanley spent one year at Duke. Stanley doesn't even play or have a dunk in the NBA yet in his career. Like it's just, I don't know. That seemed like the one where like we couldn't get LeBron out here and like throw down one round worth of dunks or Donovan Mitchell or somebody. Yeah, that that's tough for the NBA. I think they're gonna have to do something to, I don't know, spice things up in future years, maybe.
1: Yeah, I, I think just the the fact that they always use the same players that are participating in the weekend, throughout, you know, during the events as well. So if you have, you know, three point contest, you're gonna pull the guys that are either in the All-Star game, or if you have a skill, you're pulling just the guys that are are there, right? I think that it's it's more exciting if you pull, I know, I know that there is a, you know, a namesake, and, and obviously COVID protocols, you don't want to have too many guys in. So I completely understand that, but I'm just talking, kind of in general and that's that's really been the, the NBA's mindset. If you're if you're already gonna be there, then you should participate in, you know, this event as well. And I think just having, you know, fresh faces, creating more energy around, you know, the events and and, and how they're participating in the events and, you know, just figuring out how to incorporate, you know, you know, more guys into the All Star weekend that are not necessarily playing in either, you know, the the international game or the all-star game and just making it you know bringing more bodies in to experience the all-star you know weekend as opposed to just the guys that are there to play in uh, either the game on Saturday or or, or Sunday
2: yeah I'm all for having like some lesser known guys compete I just feel like you need at least like one name or you know that the average fan knows to be like hey this guy I've never heard of gave you know, Kevin Durant a run for his money or or whatever. Like that's how you get people to talk about it, I think. It's like Cassius Stanley and Anthony Simons showdown is just like, all right, I'll fast forward maybe. But even though oh, it was no. good.
1: I, I got you. I, I I agree with that for sure because you have your I gotta see with you know Steph Curry in a mm-hmm. three point contest. So if you think about the dunk contest, say Zion Williamson is in that game, then that's, I got to see. So yeah. And then everyone that comes along with that is just a a product of that, you know, of that event. So I I got you. That makes complete sense.
2: Okay, Larry, I just want to circle back with you a little bit and just, you know, go back over. I mean, obviously we've talked every single week about what we thought of the first half, but, but just sort of look at it as a whole at this point. Any guys overall through the first half of the season that were just sort of, a letdown to you or are disappointing in particular um, you know guys guys maybe you had higher expectations for that they didn't live up to.
1: Good question. Good question. And again, I always I like to look at the perspective of the player and what the players deal with and what it looks like on the outside versus what, you know, is actually going on in that group, in that locker room and what it takes to actually be successful night in and night out. Uh, but I would say Troy Brown is a name that that comes to mind uh, when we think about, um, obviously the extension and you know just his his level, his his game, and what we see, you know, before he 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 hit the Wizards, or you know, just him his understanding of basketball, his his work ethic. I want him to to get a chance to really explore his game, and that's when I say that it's it, it's a. Um, not necessarily a disappointment. I don't think that he's necessarily gotten the opportunity to be successful at this point. And there's a lot of things that go on, you know, go along with that, whether it be practice time, he's not performing in practice, whether it be COVID restrictions, he's not in a position to to really, you know, use his body the, the way, you know, he he needs to. But for whatever reason, I just would like to see more from, from Troy Brown, because I think he has more uh, to give and just, you know, Eventually getting an opportunity to do that, hopefully he steps up to the plate. But in the first half of the season, that's a guy that I thought would have a little bit more reason for affecting
2: games. I think the way you put that was perfect because I wouldn't say like Troy himself has been a disappointment. You know, it's the way that situation has played out has been, you know, less than we expected, I think. Um, so I, I think that's that's a great call. Even last night in the Memphis game, you know, he was good in limited minutes. Um, and hopefully that's a sign that, you know, he'll he'll get more opportunities moving forward. Especially we've talked about before the, they've got the 38 games and 68 days or whatever. Like other guys are going to have to be able to to get in there and do stuff. The Bertons start to the year is disappointing to me. I think that they win at least, I don't think they go 0-5 to start the season if he comes in, you know, reasonably ready ready to go and, and i get tough circumstances and all that but but that one hurt i think a lot more than people realized and when you give a guy that much money and he scored 17 or 18 a game last year and Rui is out like there's just no way to replicate that production uh on on such short notice i guess
1: no i, I would agree with that one as well uh, i think obviously once you sign for money the expectations go higher um and, you know, just him not being completely healthy and just really looking the way that he looked. I mean, he, he didn't look good, yeah. you know, out there on the court. Um, his conditioning, the shots that he was taking, his defense. So that is one that, that does make a lot of sense for me as well. Um, but he was a guy that was definitely, you know, outwardly struggling with the uh, COVID stuff. So I, I did kind of give him a little pass. Sure.
2: Anybody that was like a bright spot for you that that was a pleasant surprise based on what you kind of thought we would get from them?
1: There are a few guys, actually, there are a few guys. For me, uh, Neto uh, mm-hmm. is, is a name uh, that comes to mind. Uh, he stepped up to the challenge. He stepped up to the plate uh, night in and night out, This, as far as to what his role was going to be, uh, because it kept changing. And I think he got a little bit more comfortable or understanding once Ish went out mm-hmm. uh, with his injury, knowing that he wouldn't be kind of this, this toggle back and forth to figure out who's going to have the better night between Ish or Neto. So I think Neto is is taking advantage of that role. He's a good communicator. I've I've watched interviews that he's that he's done, just talking about the mentality of the process of trying to, to be a good team. Uh, be a good team and be a good teammate as well, uh, with him being, you know, that that point guard, that lead guard spot. Um, and then Mo. And I I've raved about Mo, you know, a few times during during the podcast, just because of the energy that he brings. And he's he's not the guy, he's one of the guys and and if you expect him to be the guy then you're going to fall short with with what he can bring to the table but if he's one of the guys you can feed off of what he does and i think that for for me in the first half of the season he's been in and out and having some limited action but um if you're trying to win you know if you're trying to compete if you're trying to battle if you're trying to just give yourself a chance to to have a playoff run that's a guy for me that has to be in your rotation whether it's 20 minutes one night, whether it's 16 minutes another night, but like some way finding a way to use his energy and his want to, um, to help you get, you know, get to the finish line.
2: And I think the thing that we forget with him too, because he's been in the league for a while, is he's still pretty young too. And it's not like he's not going to keep improving. You know, I, I think a lot of people, the first couple of games of the year were like, Oh, you know, Mo's not very good. Like blah, blah, blah. But some of these guys, they just, they need minutes and they need the opportunities to go out and show they can play. And I think the decision not to exercise his option is looking particularly bad at the moment. I mean, that's a guy that like, you'd love to see him back up Thomas Bryant for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, man. And if I'm Brad and I'm, you know, I have this active guy that's going to, you know, try to do it all. Like, I want to play with that guy. Mm-hmm. I, like, he's like an uh, Anderson Vragial for me. You know, when we played in Cleveland, it's like, this guy's going to do everything. He's not the most skilled guy. I mean, he's not shooting jumpers. He's not doing a lot of things that are are the sexy things that are the cute things that we like. But man, like, when I'm on the court, like, bring him with me. Like, I want him on the court with me because I know that he's going to do something that we need or that I need him to do. And that's a guy, I mean, when you talk about, again, the extension is sometimes for that guy. Like you, you give him an extension because you want him to be that guy. But for that guy that's one of the guys, it's sometimes tougher to to give that vote of confidence to or to do that extension when you don't necessarily understand, you know, your total team and what you actually need. But that's a guy, Matt, I'm telling you, that, that, that's, that's a guy that you want. That's a guy that you want with you.
2: Yeah, I think you made a great comp there too because, like, it's two guys that – They're going to hit you on every screen. They're going to take a charge. They're going to tug on your jersey. They're going to stand on your foot. Like all the little annoying shit that doesn't show up, um, you know, on a highlight reel. And just exactly what you said about Brad, Wagner and Matthews are two guys that from day one, Brad specifically called out by name as being like hardworking energy guys. And I think that's my biggest frustration with Scott Brooks this season is that it took us a month to get guys like that uh, on the court, especially when they spent every press conference complaining about we didn't have much energy out there tonight or their guys weren't hustling. It's like then play, the guys that you keep praising for hustling. Like it, it, basketball doesn't have to be that tough. I don't think, I mean, some things make common sense or common sense applies to some of those things.
1: Yeah. It's a challenge. I mean, it, it's a challenge. Like it, it's a challenge. If, if you don't extend a guy, and, you know, you're struggling as a team. Like, that's a guy that you put out there to 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 go and, and wreak havoc because he's already pissed. He's already mm-hmm. mad that he didn't get, you know, that vote of confidence from his organization. And when you talk about energy, you talk about effort, like, play one of those guys that you didn't, you know, that you didn't look out for and see how much craziness that he goes out there and creates just because he wants to show you that he's better than – you thought that better than you thought he was. And that's something that you can use to your advantage. But I just keep saying, you know, when you talk about the Wizards team of a guy that stands out to me, obviously Brad, Brad is the guy, but, but Mo is a guy that you that I think you should have in that fold as far as to, you know, how you're going to play. I know Brad a a little bit and I know the mentality that he has out there on the basketball court. And it is one of fight be aggressive, mm-hmm. go as hard as you can. So I think he's going to gravitate to those guys. And you got to be aware, you know, from an organization standpoint of who those guys are.
2: You can live with the mistakes and the growing pains from a guy. If he's like giving you that much energy, right? Like, I mean, that, that's how I look at those guys. Like you, if he's going to take a dumb charge and, and get it, you know, into foul trouble, like you play through that.
1: There's so many possessions There's so many possessions that happen now. Uh, If you get a guy that's making maximum effort but also making mistakes, those are the guys that you lift up and tell them to keep their head up and keep doing what they're doing because the possessions are coming fast and furious, and a guy that's on that line of not necessarily knowing if they're going to get a bunch of playing time, you don't want them to feel like they did something wrong. Like you want to keep that battery in their back until, you know, coaching staff say, hey, we can't take it anymore. This guy's not going to play.
2: last night the hey we need a defensive minding minded rebounding center shot blocker uh, conversation sort of picked up a lot of steam again after the way Valanciunas looked and you know the the Andre Drummond's and all these guys keep coming up and not that like Andre Drummond's not a good player like I think he could help us the thing I worry about is he's already like Worn out his welcome in Cleveland because he won't be just a rebounder, defender, shot blocker. He wants to be a point center and, you know, a playmaker and all those things. And I don't think that would be good for us here to have another guy taking the ball away from Brad. And he hasn't been particularly efficient in those moments as a playmaker. So uh, you know, as much as like in a vacuum, that skill set could probably help us. I think one of the things I've tried to pass on to people is is something I really got from you is you have to talk to a guy about what he envisions his role being. And if that's what he wants to come in and do, I think you just say, you know, good luck to you.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And that name sounds really, really, really good. Now when you speak it, name sounds really good when you write it down on paper, Uh, just all those things that go along with it. And that's a guy for me, I think that could help you if he's in the right space of, of thinking about his game in the right light. I watch Drummond a, a lot, you know, just, just kind of on scrolling through information and I see him on Instagram and he's, you know, he's doing the point center workouts, right? When he's working out in the summertime, like he's shooting threes, he's dribbling, he's handling the basketball, but this is a different game and these are different players, a different sort of circumstance. So he's a guy that I would say, Hey, you should go talk to Dwight Howard and understand what he did wrong and you would probably be better off by talking to him because now when I mentioned Dwight Howard's name, I'm thinking what if the Wizards had Dwight Howard yeah. as a rebounder, as a defender, as a switch guy on the screen, like Dwight Howard didn't want to do that, you know, a few years ago. That He didn't want to do that. So when you think about a younger guy that could have some of those same capabilities, like I'm an old head, so I'm a vet. So I, I wouldn't, if I got a chance to talk to Drummond, I would encourage him to have a conversation with Dwight. Because it all, how we operate depends on our mindset. And if you have the mindset of, I can show, I want to show the world, or I need to handle the basketball, then he's not going to be the right person. But that that name is, is very intriguing uh, from a inside presence, active guy, rebounds, everything in sight, get Brad out on the break, get Westbrook out on the break. Like you know, roll down the paint, have somebody come in and tag and get Bertans in the corner. Like, that's a guy that on paper sounds really good.
2: I think you could make a case that Mo Wagner is one of the more athletic centers the Wizards have had in the last four or five years. And, and I don't mean this as a, a knock on Mo. We've been a pro Mo show. But uh, that, that shouldn't be the case with a good NBA team where he's like one of the more, uh, you know, proficient vertical spacers you've had. Just somebody for those guys to throw lobs to, I, I think, would would add an interesting dynamic. Some Somebody. If it's not him, someone like that.
1: No, that, that's, that's that's needed. I mean, that, that's needed. That opens up the floor. I mean, can you find one of those guys for them?
2: We got to look around somewhere. There's got to be somebody, right? <laughs> so, Larry, I think every player, like you talked about with Drummond, spending the off seasons doing the dribbling and shooting and all the point guard drills and stuff like that. I understand that the more things you can do, the more opportunities, the more options you have and things like that. But at what point do you have to say like, all right, I might actually be better off if I just simplified, like if I just showed everybody I'm super elite at rim protection and defensive rebounding, and that's my, my way to, you know, get my next paycheck. Like how, how do you kind of reconcile that?
1: Man, it's, it's the, um, it's the guy, it's the trainers or the coaches. It's the guy that they're they're listening to and what's the real re- reason why they're capturing these workouts is it for you to to benefit you as far as what you're doing in your career what you need to add or is it for them to show they can teach a 7 foot guy or, or give a 7 foot guy drills to dribble and so it it just matters on what who your who who your circle is mm-hmm. and what sort of information that they're feeding you that's going to actually help you be the best that you can be because we can all get drills and and do things that are not necessarily that we're going to do in our, our real everyday life. And it's um that, that's, that's a really good question, Matt on, on, I, I think it really factors in on who you're getting that information from because the player wants to please, if a player gets the drills and Hey, you know, between the legs behind the back, like we, we understand that, that we can perform that. But when you talk about an NBA game, when you got guys that that's what they do, then you don't need to do that as well because that's what they're expected to do. So I think what what you're expected to do and how you train in the summertime, they have to match up. You can have a fun week of doing, you know, obstacle courses and things like that. But I think when you talk about what's going to actually make you successful in your job, it's what you do in the summertime. And it's not always about, adding something different or new, as opposed to, you know, really locking in on the things that you do well. And if I'm talking about, if you're going to rebound the basketball, let's, let's look at how the, how the ball comes off the rim, right? If I may not be fun for a trainer, but can you react if it's short, you react if it's long, can you identify if it's coming, you know, right or left? But those are the things that I would do if, if I'm working with with Drummond on, you know, what's actually going to be successful in, in the NBA, not not point center.
2: I totally agree with you. All right. Uh, on that note, folks, we're going to take a little mini break here and when we come back. We'll have Jimmy Patsos. And now a quick break from the show to talk to you about our newest sponsor, eBay, whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you've been looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop that pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. And now back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back here with NBC Sports Analyst, Jimmy Patsos. I've been doing a lot of the the Wizards coverage this season, which has been cool to see, get a coach's perspective on the broadcast. First of all, thanks for joining us and just wanted to get your high-level take on what you think of the first half of the season for the Wizards.
0: No, thanks for having me, Matt. Always been a fan of Larry's. We're talking about college stuff going into this. The St. Louis Billiken played for Charlie Spoonhauer, was in Conference USA when it was a monster. You went to the NCAA real quick, Larry. You, you won a game and you lost a game. Who'd you play against in the
1: tournament? We played, uh, we played against UMass our first game. Right. Uh, and, and then we had the national champions, uh, Kentucky, our second game. Tell me
0: really quick, I'm not supposed to interview you, but I want to ask you, even though it's one year, you think it's important going to school for one year and going to the NCAA? Tell me your thoughts on that.
1: I think, you know, definitely back then, Definitely back then. I mean, we, we talk about the college experience and, you know, do you go straight from high school to the NBA? Uh, but I think, you know, definitely back then, uh, college had a, a huge impact on what I wanted to do. I didn't feel like I was ready to go right out of high school. So the ability to go play against some guys that were 20, 21 years old, get a chance to practice, get a chance to um, you know, really go through the college grind of being outside of the home, you know, getting away from my mom, getting away from, you know, the, the home cooked meals and things like that. So I think college played a, a good experience. I had a good experience, you know, going to college. Now I have a little bit of different thought process as to, you know, that experience and how that's going to look, how the, you know, the years to come, if, if guys are going to be able to go back from the, you know, from high school to the NBA, we, we don't know. But if you're going to college, if you're going to go to college to experience the NCAA tournament, uh, there's, there's nothing like it. There, there's nothing like it. And I'm thinking if I'm a kid that's being recruited to go to college, I want to go to the school that I know is going to be in the tournament every year, right? I, I, if I'm going to go to college, I got to go to a school that's known for being in the tournament every year because you can't miss out on that experience if you go to college.
0: No, I would agree. with We had Joe Smith leave early I started Steve Francis when I was at Maryland, and then Wilcox left early. I think, I'm really glad you said that for the younger listeners, just one year of being away from mom, or one year of you know, losing to Illinois and losing to Arizona, but then having to come back and play whoever, Memphis or Cincy, like that whole experience, along with meeting people in your dorms, but going to the NCAA is a special thing. It's, uh, for those of you who don't know, the first Maryland basketball NCAA we ever went to, we played St. Louis. And then we beat UMass. Funny we have that in similarity things, but I do think if kids could go for one year, look, me and you know, the St. Louis is a little different. Maryland's a little different, but Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, you treat treated as good as a pro. So why not kind of go for, I- I'm with you. I just want them to go one year. Like I wanted Jalen Green to go, you know, I wanted to Dacia Nicks to go and Todd. And I just, I think it's good for the college game too. I just don't know how much it really hurts you to go, but I just wanted to jump into that since it's March Madness. I'm with you, Larry. I think one year is cool. Yeah. But it looks like the G League might be the way to go. I don't know how they're living because normally, Matt, I would be on the road because I work for Under Armour. We, go to, we have IMG. I would be going to these games. I would see what the G League was like with the Ignite, but I haven't seen it. But I'm interested too. But it's just – it's really refreshing. When I, and I knew who you were, Larry, but when it was refreshing when I looked you up to say, oh, man, he played in the Monster Conference USA – And I knew you went to the NCAA tournament and like Charlie Spoonhauer, for those of you who don't know, Charlie Spoonhauer is really well-liked in our profession. Good coach, good guy, fair, but firm and tough and all that. So I just think it's cool when your kids could have one year of that because the pro is so businesslike, you know?
1: Yeah. It's just creating those experiences. It's creating those experiences. And, and you think about these kids now, you know, how much basketball they're playing. I mean, they're playing year-round basketball. They're doing right. it. High level. They've also mixed in skill development with performance training. And when you talk about now just the, the difference of how much time that athletes are, are, you know, can dedicate to that process, I think that they're going to get more within the Ignite or the G League versus if they're in college. So it's, it really depends on the person and what the needs are. But I would say you open up, you, you make your days longer if you're not necessarily, you know, in school. Right. But you are getting a, a different experience being in school, um, you know, bumping shoulders with with you know your peers and things that you can, you know, learn, you know, day in and day out, day in and day out on a college campus, those are experiences that you never, you know, you you never forget. So I think it's it, it depends on the child.
0: No, I appreciate that. Before we go, you, I, I know St. Louis Gateway, and I know Bradley Beal's team. Who'd you play AAU for?
1: Uh, I played for the St. Louis Eagles. God, you played for the Eagles, okay? I played for the St. Louis Eagles, which now Brad has has uh, changed That's his the team. Yep. Now it's it's the Brad Beal Elite team. Yes, and Brad's doing great in Washington. We will jump into that. I was I
0: was down at the Nike thing two years ago, and I snuck over, and I see Bradley Beal's team come out. Let me tell you, he was coaching hard, too. Bradley Beal, this is why I like Bradley Beal. He likes the Ravens. I'm from Baltimore, Ed Reed. He wears the Cardinals hat when they're in the playoffs. I watch him in the summer. He ain't just sitting there. This guy's up there in warm-ups. He's coaching. It was kind of, it's kind of cool to watch a guy. That's why he's such a good person. It's cool to watch him take that much interest in his AAU program. Is he, what do people in St. Louis think of Bradley Beal?
1: Uh, uh, Bradley's a, a, a hometown hero, man. Um, you know, definitely with the AAU program that he's doing, and he does coach, right? I, my son played a couple years back, 15U, uh, in the Bradbill program, and he's out there coaching, you know, with the 17U guys, uh, giving them experiences, talking to them about, you know, the challenges because every 17U kid thinks that it's all sweet and everything going to be easy and, and you know, they've got the, the best thing since sliced bread. But Brad's a guy that's, that'll be real with them, And I think that they respect him. And if you see, like, all of the kids in the program, you know, that, that he's coached and worked with, they all keep in contact with him, which I think is very good because they can use him as a resource later on down the road.
0: Highest compliment. They should all be like him. He's playing great. Matt, I want to go into your Wizards thing. He's had to carry the load here the last couple of years. I've been here three years. John was hurt. They didn't quite have the supporting cast that they've had. I almost feel bad for Brad because he's got to do too much. Westbrook's been picking it up lately, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think the biggest difference, and and I want to ask get Larry's opinion on this as an NBA guy, Scott Brooks has seemed to be like it's Brad, then it's Russ. But everybody else better like play defense. He's changed his starting lineup. Garrison Matthews, Gritty, you know, Mo Wagner, he's that guy. You probably like him on your team. You probably hate him if he's not on your team. Lopez giving him good minutes. NATO. I want Ish Smith to come back high character guy too, but their bench has been pretty good. Their role players are doing better and they started clearly very slow. They got killed down in Houston when the John Wall's return and everything, but they've turned it around. And even when they've been losing lately and they've, they've been winning that great February, like it's a one point loss to Boston or it's a, they fight back and beat the Clippers, which was a huge win going into the break, but they're fun to watch. I'm, and, I, and since we're in March Madness college thing, I, I spent 30 years in college for people that don't know. But I grew up in Boston, two minutes from Boston Garden. I knew Red Auerbach, Dennis Johnson was my favorite guy. Those Celtics teams I grew up on with Parish Bird in them. The NBA is a different game, but it also is not that different. And I was going to ask you about this. Like, you still got to defend. You still got to get loose balls. And the first game I ever did for the Wizards, Kyle Lowry takes a charge gets a loose ball and then he makes an extra pass and the Raptors win, you know, so like you watch it. It's not all fancy, you know, highlights. They grind and play harder. So I would say my initial reaction, Matt, is that the Wizards are grinding. They're playing. They're getting loose balls. They're doing a lot of scrappy stuff. I don't know if you know Drew Gooden. He's the best. I love Drew and Drew, as you know, as star in Kansas turned into a grinding guy. But those guys can get you wins over 82 games. I was going to ask you, ask your opinion about that. Like, it's not all flair and fancy. And and Brad, by the way, scores mostly on two-pointers and going to the rim. He gets knocked to the ground a bunch. Look, I know Steph Curry well. Love him. But he's not a three-point shooting guy, Brad. This guy's getting knocked to the ground, doing a lot of stuff. What's your thoughts, Larry, on, like, guys having to do the grinding stuff? And it kind of goes back to your thing of at 15, 16, 17, they think they're all going to be – the pretty two guard and everything. And you learn very quickly. And that's why I think the Wizards have turned it around. They got some grinding guys out there right now.
1: Well, I think you, you have to play hard consistently. You, you, you have to play hard consistently. And that's like you said, um, you know, deflections and loose balls. And, you know, there's, you know, when you're, you're, you're coming up, I mean, you know, every guy in in, in the league is was the best guy on there normally the best guy on the AAU team, normally the best guy on the high school team, normally the best guy or, you know, pretty talented on their college team. But when you get to the NBA, you still have to figure out what your role is, how you can be most effective within that team because every organization is different. Every team has a different sort of mentality. A a coach, a head coach may have a different sort of mentality uh, that that bleeds down into his guys. But there's no substitute for working extremely hard, uh, fighting to the end, not giving an inch, and playing to win, right? If you put me on the court with, with, with guys with that sort of mentality, then we're going to win a lot of games, right? We may not be the most talented, but we're going to win a lot of games because we know, especially with the, within the NBA, NBA game, there's a lot of spurts of just whatever happens, happens. Right, second, third quarter stuff, but not the yeah. fourth quarter. Exactly. So, but you're always on go. If you're always, you know, excited about the opportunity to, to take that charge or to, to, to make that extra pass or to, you know, or to make, to make a play that's for someone else. If you're excited about doing that, then that's how you find your role within the NBA. And then that's how you mature within your role in, in the NBA, because on each team, like I said, it's always different. You may need to be, the facilitator on this team and years ago you were the scorer on another team so it's really all about how those pieces fit together and what sort of message that that coach is giving you uh, that's going to tell you that you can be successful right I mean if you're playing a 48 minute game we are playing extremely hard and consistent for the 48 minutes and then we live with the results And I think when you put a team like that together, when you have guys coming off the bench and ready to do whatever is needed, you have a couple guys in the starting lineup that's ready to do what's ever needed, and then you have those sexy guys that can just do it all, like a Brad. Right. Even like a Westbrook, for that matter, to kind of bring all of those pieces together, that's when you start to put a team together.
0: Westbrook rebounds better than I thought. I mean, I know he's a triple-double guy, but I watch him. He really does have a nose for the ball. He gets after it. He looks healthier. That way, I want, they're going to find the eighth man. I don't know if it's Troy Brown or Bong. He's been searching for those guys. Nato's in his role. That's why I like his Smith a little. Why I like him a lot. He does a little of everything, but he can get you buckets when he has to. They're just searching for another. Garrison Matthews hasn't shot the ball well, but he's grinding. And then Rui and Denny are young. And that, I think Rui's... Denny kind of can facilitate, but I think Rui's kind of trying to figure out. Should be the defensive guy, rebound guy. Sometimes he scores 20. Sometimes he scores two. I don't know if they're going to make a trade. I have a funny feeling they might try to search out a guy because – and this is other thing different from when you played. Now 10 teams are making it. So they're only two – they're like a four-game winning streak out from being in seventh. I did want to ask you one thing because I know you watch the league – All those things you just talked about, and they're all correct, of course, because you know better than anybody you played. Is that what the Knicks are doing in New York? Because we have the Knicks coming up twice. I got Embiid. I know he's good in the Milwaukee's. Tell me your thoughts on the Knicks, because I have the Knicks coming up. I want to hear your opinion. I mean, they were awful a year ago, and Randall was a bust, and nobody wanted RJ, and they were a disaster. How does he turn that around so quick?
1: They, they are playing, like you said, hard, which that's the term that you can kind of throw on the wall and, and see if it sticks, if it makes sense to, to anyone. They are playing hard, but they're also playing for one another. And that's a dynamic that it's just not a given that a team will have. Just because they wear the same uniform, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're playing for one another, right? They're sacrificing themselves to make sure that, one, we could win, and, two, we can do our job but i think what's what's in front of them first is that they're doing these things so they can win they're sacrificing themselves so they can win they're playing for one another so they can win they're playing extremely hard so they can win it's not necessary for for personal gains why one guys playing hard this night and not the other night like these guys to me they look like they're playing hard because they they are for each other and they want to they want to find success and it's helping right now
0: by the way, playing hard's a skill that a lot of young people don't realize. It's a real skill, and but here comes Randall by winning and playing hard. I mean, Randall's gonna a get paid. B, he's like gonna. I mean, he's turning. He's gonna. He's turning into a monster, Randall. You know.
1: And I think it just takes time. Like you think of a kid like that. I mean, he coming out of Kentucky. Uh, he gets hurt early. Uh, he gets you know he gets moved to a different to a different team where the expectations are different. He can't do what he was doing in the last location. Now he's expected to do something different. So you get that tag. But for him, he's a guy that was young coming in, and now he's starting to mature and understand, like, what he brings to the table in today's league. Like, show me a guy that can stay in front of a guy like that with those shoulders, you know, that athletic ability, that want to play hard. Like, there's nobody that's going to stop that kid from, from doing what he's trying to do. And he's doing it now at a consistent level, but I think he's matured. And you got to allow these guys, Rui, you got to allow these guys to Denny, you got to allow these guys to mature a little bit under the right direction, under the right guidance, under the right sort of uh, blueprint, right? So they're not making the bad mistakes. They're only making the good mistakes. And that's a, a portion of, of your core guys. I mean, these are guys that I'm naming off of who should be in a wizard uniform for a number of years. Yeah, no, I think Denny was a really good pick. Matt, you got something?
2: I was just going to ask you, Coach, how do you balance juggling, like giving guys minutes to make sure they develop, but also playing guys that are going to help you win now? Like how, how tough is that as as a coach to kind of get that blend? Of... It's,
0: well, it's, it's a lot easier now that I'm not coaching because I'm away. <laughs> now, I get all the, now I get all my answers right, by the way, because it's next like, day.
2: No one to judge you.
0: you know, of that is. Um, I think Scott Brooks has gone back to what I would do is play young guys and let them live through mistakes. But there's so much pressure to win. Three years ago when I first came with wall and Beal and they were had a veteran team. I love Jeff green, DC kid. They had everybody in place to kind of make a playoff run and they kind of faltered. And then you want to play the young guys. So all of a sudden you didn't really know what you were getting off the bench. And I understand that now I think he's playing more the young guys. You got, I think Larry had a good point of good mistakes versus bad mistakes. Hey, you're wide open. You miss a three. I don't care. You were double teamed and, he didn't try to make some crazy pass. He just got low and bounced past and then cut to the basket against the double team. Like those things I can live with trying to take a charge. Maybe it was a block charge. Those things I can live with as opposed to the, the effort thing. And then the secondary thing of I'm trying to get them a little more consistent. The one thing I think the wizards have struggled a little with is the rotation. And I was going to ask Larry about that next. Like, like I didn't, I, in college, I came off the bench. I played with this guy, Jack Bruin. He was like Spoonhauer, like a tough love, but really good guy, but knew the game. Then, you know, I coached high school for two years. I coached this guy Lawrence Moten in high school, went to Syracuse, scored a t- 2,000 points. So he, when you got a really good guy and then you can tell everybody else, he's the best getting your role. That's why I was asking about the NBA. is a little tougher because Troy Brown, you know, 15 pick, wants to get the next contract. I just like to see a little more of a graph of like, you're the five guys, you're six, seven, then eight, nine, and try to put them in their role. And then hopefully just kind of live with, as Larry says, live with the good mistakes, but not the bad mistakes. We all know, hey, Miami, you better do what you're supposed to a year out. You know, I'm giving Scott Brooks a lot of credit this year. I think he's going back to coaching one-on-one. Don't forget Scott Brooks was a scrapper player from UC Irvine. Nobody gave him anything. They had to fight his way into the league. He was the CBA with muscle men. They practiced like three hours a day. Every day. Guys would have a heart attack if they did what they did back then. Then he gets in the league and survives. Then he coaches. If you look at Scott Brooks' coaching career, he coached like some ABA team, volunteer, barely got on the Sonic staff. Then he gets the head coach. So in other words, I really like Scott Brooks. He remembers his route, you know, and, and and it's like Drew says, Drew Goodnal he says, like I was a big time guy from Oakland, went to Kansas fourth pick in the draft, blah, blah, blah. Scott's roots the opposite. And I think he's coaching to that way, which I admire. So, hey, if you're not going to do little things, you can't be on the court. That's why I like Ishmith and Nato coming off the bat. Lopez has impressed me. Robin Lopez, pretty good. First thing he says after every loss is we got to play better defensively. We had a meeting and work. He uses words like reliability, dependability, accountability, stuff like that. So I think they got the makeup for it. The question is, can Denny and Rui take the next step? I guess with the, with the multiple question to you, Larry, is how much he's in the last year of his contract. Everybody knows Scott Brooks is a great guy. He's got to win now, but he's also got a plan for the future. And that's more of a pro thing than a college thing. You got to work with the GM every day of what you're trying to do. And that's what they've had a good job of playing Garrison, Matthews and, and, and Mo. Clearly they're not like the best top five guys, but they're giving them quality minutes. Then he subs in what he needs. I'm just gonna think it's gonna be an interesting mix i didn't think they would make the playoffs i like their team and i think this is a big two months because they're right there you know the Cavs have gone the wrong way and the magic are heard and the, the detroit's building for next year so all of a sudden you you're up into the charlotte you got to beat charlotte and the hawks and you know
2: orlando is kind of starting to falter a little o- bit orlando so, so
0: what's the mix but i think you got to keep improving guys and i think one of the things larry said that's important is you can live with certain mistakes, but you can't live with others. And that's what you got to kind of get your message consistency. Who is the toughest taskmaster you played? Who is the toughest coach you played for Larry in terms of that? Like yanking yeah, you or if you didn't do fundamentals, who is? Can you describe some of your coaches? I wanted to ask you that.
1: Oh, uh, good, good question. Where early on, I'd say, you know, just Larry Brown, you know, comes. Oh, Larry, love that. I know, Larry, you must have had some long film sessions. Yeah, long film sessions, a bunch of, you know, conversations, you know, and, and didn't realize how much of an impact or what he was necessarily trying to get across, um, you know, when I was drafted in Philadelphia. But I actually played again for Larry Brown uh, in, in Charlotte uh, when we went to the playoffs. But he's a guy that and you talk about those words of reliability, you know, a- accountability is one uh probably one of those words that i learned from larry brown without you know really understanding you know where i got it from because i think that when, when you have a coaching uh style and you have different personalities and you're also talking about professional players or yeah i was there with you right who's that was
0: eric snow and alan iverson there
1: yeah yeah yeah. Er- eric snow uh iverson you know uh Theo Ratliff.
0: Every time Allen Iverson messed up, Larry yelled at Eric Snow.
1: (laughs) Or or he would yell at me. Or or he would yell at me. So I was like, we talk about the accountability and and that's where it comes from is like, okay, you know, you have a a makeup of a team and you have to understand like what the roles are for everyone in your team and how the the pieces fit together. And and we talk about that of, of just a quick example of if AI did something that, Larry Brown didn't necessarily like or whether it be in the practice or whether it be in games. I was almost the one held accountable for that. And I think it was twofold. It was one because he was trying to build me up to be the best player that I can be. So later on, I wouldn't make those same mistakes. And the other one was the the dynamic of the team is that me and Allen were so close. If Coach Brown was getting on me, then Allen Knew something, knew that he was doing something that wasn't right. So we were all kind of in this little bubble, but he knew that if Coach was getting on me, he didn't really want Coach to get on me. So he would so change. He would write. He would change his attitude or how he was doing things. And that's the dynamic that when we talk about a team or how it, you know what it takes to be successful, it's like really knowing the pieces that are on your team and how to put the puzzle together. And I think COVID has has hurt. Scott and the Wizards on, you know, how all of their pieces fit together and how the puzzle- Because of is lack done. of practice? Is that why, because of lack of practice? The lack of practice, the lack of team building, you know, the lack of just, you know, just interaction between the guys on, on, you know, conversation about how we're gonna do this and why we're not gonna do that. Those guys are missing that. So I think it's very important that, you know, these guys have their roles and their responsibilities moving forward into the second half of the season because you've basically gotten rid of those excuses. I mean, COVID is still there, obviously, but we're a little bit of ways down the road now, so some of those excuses that we had in the first half of the season, they're not going to fly in the second half. So it's really knowing your group and and having that accountability factor uh, for me, and that comes really from Larry Brown, man, uh, to be honest with you. I I like that. I saw
0: him at practice last year with Ed Pinkney in Washington. I'll find Larry and tell him you said that. He's probably golfing somewhere. Westbrook's brand new. Westbrook's brand new. You know, this has only played 30 games. So they got plenty of time to fix it. It's just that they can find the next guy that's going to help them. Cause they got the Knicks twice, the Bucks twice, but they got some wins coming in and they fought the West, the West coast trip to me. And I'll, I'll go on closing then cause I know you guys got stuff to do the West coast trip to me when they went out and beat the lake, beat Portland, came back and beat Denver they, they, it shows you they can beat anybody and that's what you wanted. Cause last year, sometimes it was like, come on, we got no chance tonight against if the Lakers are putting out their best effort. I think they can beat anybody. And that's what I'm enjoying the most about this team is they can beat anybody. They're not afraid. They got some depth. This guy NATO is really picking it up for them. And I think when Ish Smith comes back, that could be the little edge that puts them over. you have got like two more weeks left that could put them and in the playoffs with what's going on now. You anybody can beat anybody. Look, Embiid's playing crazy, and I'm a big Harden guy. I love Harden. I think he's really taken over that team, and the Nets are going to be tough. But after that, the Celts are vulnerable. Everybody else is pretty vulnerable. And until Hanson uh, Takumpo can prove he can shoot a jumper, and I like the guy, but, like, the, the, the East is pretty wide up. We all know in the West three or four teams when they want to play. I think they can make a move this year in the playoffs if they get in. That's why I'm excited about the next two months.
1: I, I, I want to know just, you know, you asked me the coaching question and obviously you were under uh, Gary. Like, wh- what are the things that you learned under Gary uh, that you take with you or you pass on to younger players or you pass on to other coaches? What are some of the tidbits that, you, that you've that picked up? You know, Gary
0: Williams was, um, well, first of all, we pressed and ran. So sometimes it surprised me at the end of games, coaches aren't ready to have pressure. We just ended every practice with a pressure game for five minutes. Why run sprints when you can press? You know, you got the ball up three. He did a lot of situational pressing at the end. That's one thing I learned from Gary. But the biggest thing I learned from Gary Williams, and you know how this is, like you said about Larry Brown getting on you, Gary Williams took his best player and said, I'm going to be on you. And I expect like it's my job to make you, Joe Smith, as good as you were." We had this guy, Johnny Rhodes. My first year was Walt Williams. I don't know if you know Walt at all. Great guy.
2: We had him on the show.
0: Yeah, Walt, Walt, Walt's the best.
1: Uh, Walt and uh, Lawrence Molden are two of my favorite guys. Of no way, life. really? Like same body type. So I just had to throw that out there. Like those are two of the guys that, that when I started watching, obviously I watched MJ, but those two guys are two of the guys that I watched. You know, early on in, in my days. I love hearing it. So I'm a dick. I coached in DC, so I know these guys. But... Walt, he had
0: that thing, like, I'll never forget it. Gary was like, I'm not sure. We weren't very good his senior year. Don, Don Nelson came in the locker room at the, at the tournament in Arizona and said, you got to rebound and do everything because you guys aren't very good. But we'll appreciate that in the NBA. And Walt did it. Gary's Williams thing jumped on that. was like the best player has got to do the most. You don't have to yell at them as much. He didn't get on. The, he yelled at me or he yelled at other guys because you got to keep your main player going. But, man, he took a lot. He spent a lot of time with his best players. Making them better, whether it was Joe Smith, Steve Francis, for one year. We had Leran Profit, this guy. Prof, I love him, but he's a politician. He had all the answers. (laughs) We brought Prof in and said, Hey, man, you're like a talented, high flying guy. Get steals, rebound, guard the other team's best player. We had Sarunas Jessicavich, who's a really good coach. He's a coach in Barcelona now. Mm -hmm. So the one thing I would say I took is Gary Williams. And I know coaching the pros is different. He said, you're, you're our two best players. You got to improve and do most of the dirty work. Like, you can take the most shots, but you got to do other stuff too. That's what I took from Gary. Not, And sometimes coaching, hey, it's tougher out there, Larry. You got kids and his parents. A lot of sometimes frustrates me in AAU is guys saying, oh, those two high majors are fine. Leave them alone. And, hey, coach those guys. Because if you make them better, you really get better. You know, and I that's why I like that Larry Brown got on you. That's why you played for 14 years. But I just want to say thanks for having me. I know you gotta go. Your Billikins are on the bubble. So you need some teams to lose a little. I think the Billikins are right on the bubble.
1: Yeah, man. We uh again, crazy, crazy world that we're living in. The guys were rocking and rolling. We were in the top 25, and we got hit with the uh you know, with the COVID situation. and, that and You we,
0: guys took like the tough. month of January. You just disappeared.
1: Yeah, very tough for the guys. We got a couple of seniors that are really, really good. Uh, hopefully they'll get a chance to, to play at the next level. But I do feel bad for those guys because they were rocking and rolling and they had the city uh, on notice. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. You know, hopefully they could...
0: Slide in there somewhere. Yeah, no, hey, I got to do slide in, get in the playing game, and anything can happen. Shock VCU, they showed us all that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Wiz, the Wiz will be fun to watch, but I'm telling you right now up close, like, their energy is good, like, everything's okay. It wasn't okay in January, we know that. Everything now is good, the future's bright, and it's just a little tinkering here and there. And I'm gonna tell you this, watching Westbrook up close, good teammate, and that guy likes to compete. Yep. And that, that that's what I like about Westbrook. He got that thing in his eye. You can tell. He might take a bad shot here and there, but my man's ready to compete. And he wants to win, and he's good on the bench. So it's going to be real fun down the stretch. I appreciate you having me. You come east, you let me know if you need anything.
1: Thank you, Coach. I appreciate you jumping on with us, man. I appreciate it.
0: My man, thanks. See you, man. Thank you.